Late last week, Donald Trump made history again. Donald Trump's lawyer says the former president has been indicted in a New York hush money case. He became the first former U.S. president to be criminally charged after he was indicted by a grand jury in Manhattan. The case involves an alleged hush money payment to former adult actress Stormy Daniels. In a statement, his lawyer said Trump did not commit any crime. They said they will offer a vigorous defense to what they say is a political prosecution. Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, made the payment in the final days of the 2016 presidential campaign. It's alleged that Trump and his allies made a $130,000 payment to Ms. Daniels in order to keep her quiet about the alleged encounter. The indictment comes as the former president is facing a handful of other ongoing investigations and as he's running for president in 2024. Trump denies wrongdoing in all of them. But will voters agree? I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the LA Times. It's Monday, April 3rd, 2023. Today, what you need to know about the indictment of Donald Trump and how it might impact the 2024 presidential election. Here to talk to me about all this are two political wizards, my LA Times colleagues, Sarah D. Wire and Mark Z. Baraback. Sarah, Mark, welcome to the Times. Thanks for having me. Hey, Colonel. <laughs> okay, Sarah, so the case that resulted in the indictment of Donald Trump last week, the one tied to the alleged payment to Stormy Daniels, what are the details? Like, what's the crime? What are the charges? And who's involved? At this point, we still don't know. Oh, boy. The indictment's been sealed. We should find out Tuesday afternoon when the former president is arraigned in New York City. But at this point, it's up to him whether he releases any of the details before then. And we know bits and pieces that there might be a lot more charges than people are expecting, that the case might be much broader than just hush money and covering up that hush money to the porn actor. But beyond that, we don't know too many details. So what exactly is the case that Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is pursuing or alleging? The case he's pursuing is that we believe, and that's important to keep saying, is that Trump's legal fixer, Michael Cohen, paid uh, a, a porn actress $130,000 to keep her from telling her story right before the uh, 2016 election. And that Trump and the Trump Organization repaid Cohen over the course of over a year and classified the money as legal expenses. It kept him on retainer without actually providing any legal work for the former president. So this payment then, it could be a felony. Yes, and actually the felony is uh, specifically in terms of improper campaign donations. You know, this far exceeds the amount of money that the Trump organization would be allowed to give to his campaign. And because the payment was made just days before the 2016 election, it's seen as an in-kind contribution. If Trump had just paid this woman out of his own pocket, it wouldn't have been considered a campaign uh, issue. And Mark, why is this indictment coming down now? Gosh, how long have I been hearing about this alleged payment? And 
Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump. And didn't Michael Cohen already go to jail over this already? He did. And to answer your first question, you know, they say God works in mysterious ways. Well, so do grand juries. So (laughs) we don't really know what the timing is. You know, this was a case that others had looked at and passed on. So we don't know. Maybe when the indictment comes down, we'll get a further explanation of that. And there have been hints that uh, the charges may go beyond the Stormy Daniels allegations. But as Sarah said, we don't know and won't know until that indictment is unsealed. But yes, Michael Cohen, who was Trump's lawyer and fixer, he said once that he would take a bullet for Donald Trump. And he He didn't do that, but he did go to jail. He went to jail for 13 months and faced home confinement for another year after that, given his involvement in that case. And he has since turned against Trump with a vengeance. I mean, he has been a witness in a number of cases and investigations on Capitol Hill in New York and other jurisdictions. So the worm has really turned for uh, Michael Cohen and uh, the Donald Trump relationship. Sarah, what's the reaction from President Trump and his supporters about this indictment? You know, he's really approaching this as a political problem and not a legal problem. Hmm. He's decrying the district attorney for conducting a witch hunt, saying that, you know, he would not be being prosecuted if he wasn't running for president in 2024. He is calling his allies on Capitol Hill and trying to shore up support. You know, a lot of people quickly fell in line behind him when the indictment became public last week. And... Again, we still don't know the details of what he's being charged with. We don't know the evidence is going to be brought before him in court. But you immediately saw the party line up behind him. Even, you know, some of the people who are expected to be competing with him for the nomination came to his uh, backing. And they're decrying it as a witch hunt. They're declaring it as a witch hunt. They're saying it, it's political, you know, weaponization of the judicial system in order to stop a political candidate from getting power. The former president has really pushed this as they couldn't stop him through impeachment and they couldn't stop him through all these investigations. And this is just another step in the long line that started with the Russia investigation, I think was a line he put out on social media on Thursday. Were you surprised that there weren't big rallies by Trump supporters decrying the indictment in the media aftermath of its announcement? You know, a lot of major cities were preparing for it. Every New York City cop was told to be in uniform on Friday. And there were racks up around the Capitol in Washington, D.C. You know, even Los Angeles was getting ready for the chance of rallies. And they didn't appear immediately. And some of that might be with the timing of when the news came down with the indictment. You know, there were rallies planned over the weekend. Whether they were of a size to convince anyone, I mean, that goes back to the issue of this is a legal issue, not a political one. And this is not something he can worm his way out of. The grand jury has has voted. The district attorney is bringing charges. Mark, what about reactions that you're seeing from Democrats? I don't know if gleeful would be uh, an umbrella term I would use. I mean, it really it really depends. Your Twitterverse, your Democrats who are on uh, Twitter are quite delighted. Your Democrats who are in elected office tend to take more measured view, talking in terms of letting the process play out. Uh, certainly, there's there's no sadness in, in, in Mudville on the Democratic side, that's for sure. Coming up after the break, the historical nature of Trump's indictment.
So, Mark, Donald Trump is the first former president to be indicted. But have others come close? Nixon, maybe Herbert Hoover. Didn't Andrew Johnson get impeached way back in the day? Yeah, Donald Trump, he's a groundbreaker in in a lot of ways, not just the first president, former president to be indicted, the first president to be impeached, not once, but twice. But yes, the first president ever to be indicted. Did others come close? Arguably, yes. You know, Richard Nixon left the White House in 1974 thinking he was going to go to jail for uh, his, his misdeeds in the Watergate scandal. He was pardoned by Gerald Ford. At the time, a very controversial move. Some say that it cost uh, Ford election in, in 1976. He's since been seen as a hero. He's been won all sorts of awards for political courage, for pardoning Nixon because he wanted the country to move on from it. Bill Clinton, in, in the last hours uh, he was in office, admitted to lying under oath in uh, the Monica Lewinsky case to avoid prosecution for perjury. So he dodged that proverbial bullet. Warren Harding, who uh, I did not cover, Gustavo, but anyway, he dodged. <laughs> in office, but he very well could have faced indictment for the Teapot Dome scandal, which involved the uh, federal oil leases in Wyoming. We do have a precedent that should be noted. Ulysses Grant, as a sitting president, was actually arrested in 1872. He was recklessly driving his horse and buggy through the streets of uh, Georgetown, was arrested, and hopefully didn't set a precedent. He paid a $20 bond and then forfeited it rather than showing up for trial the next day. Wow, that's a story that I was not expecting, Mark. But that aside, Trump's indictment is not only unprecedented, he's also the leading Republican candidate for the 2024 presidential nomination right now. So, Sarah, does any of this, the indictment of possible conviction, limit Trump's ability to run for or even be president? No, I mean, he can run. Uh, It's happened in the past. That's important for listeners to keep in mind because this trial is not going to be done next week. This trial is not going to be done next month. You know, these type of trials take a very long time to even come uh, before a judge or before a jury. And so, you know, this might not even be resolved by the nomination process next year. It might not even be resolved before the election takes place. And I know some historical presidential trivia. There was a presidential nominee or candidate who was still running from jail. That was Eugene V. Debs, 1918, socialist candidate. He was put in jail for opposing World War One, but he was still running. So if Trump won the nomination, the trial's still going, and then he gets convicted, would he be able to govern the country from jail? I believe technically he would be allowed to. The uh, prohibitions on felons tend to be at the state level for representatives and senators and governors. But I'm not exactly positive when it comes to uh, President Mark might know better than me. You know, I, I I don't. I think we're in, uh, I mean, you can't emphasize enough un- uncharted territory here. And if we spin this out, one could just imagine, I don't know, would there be a, a presidential wing at Leavenworth or, or something? <laughs> More unprecedented stuff. Wow, that'd be interesting. Sarah, what should we expect then to see next? If a trial, if it gets to that point, might be a couple years off, where does the case go from here? You know, Trump's lawyers are already saying quietly that they definitely do not expect him to accept any offered plea, um, that he wants to in some ways make a bit of a show of this. He sees this as a political upside. At least that's what we're hearing from people within his circles. But, you know, that might change as time goes on. And there's going to be a certain point as evidence comes out where the rest of the party has to decide whether to stay with him or not. I mean, that's kind of a full circle part of this. The 
payment was made right after the Access Hollywood video and audio was made public in the 2016 campaigns. And support for Trump was getting a little bit shaky within the party. You had a lot of people who are standing by him now saying at the time that they could never support him. And then, you know, he kind of did his sympathy tour and people came forward and changed their minds and ended up voting for him. You know, we'll see if if he's in the middle of a trial and there's evidence being brought forward, not just here, but also in Fulton County, Georgia, possibly with the special counsel relating to the documents in Mar-a-Lago and in the efforts to retain power after the 2020 election. Is that going to be just too much baggage for people? I mean, only time's going to tell us the answer to that. Mark, you've seen a lot of politicians go down. But as my brother-in-law Bernie says, prison is for the poor, not for the rich. So do you think a conviction is going to be likely of Trump? We don't know what the evidence is. He'll be tried, presumably, uh, in Manhattan, although you have to imagine he'd go for a change of venue. Not a very, very favorable jury likely there. I'd be surprised if Trump got 20% of the vote in, in Manhattan. But, we, you know, there's so much of this that we don't know. We don't know what the cases are. We don't know how strong the case against the former president is. I, I think it's worth pointing out we're, we're sort of in uncharted legal territory here because this is an attempt to use a state law to hold him responsible for an alleged violation of federal mm. campaign law. So it's kind of a bank shot. And again, I'm not a legal expert, but people who are legal experts say it, it's on kind of shaky ground. So why would then a local prosecutor try to do something involving an alleged federal crime? You know, that's a, that's a good question. And the answer may come when the indictment is unsealed and we know what the evidence is. I mean, it has to be said, everything, including, you know, what I just said, is pure speculation. We don't know. Look, you have to think that Alvin Bragg realizes the stakes in this case and would not have brought a case unless he was convinced that it would yield a conviction. So we got to wait and see what the evidence is. After the break, more on what the indictment of Donald Trump portends for the 2024 election. Okay, folks, I think the big question on everyone's mind right now through Election Day 2024 is what is this indictment going to mean for former President Trump in that election? So, Mark, I'll start with you. Did Alvin Bragg, the prosecutor in New York who is filing charges against him, just hand the election to Donald Trump? The short answer is no. Uh, and that's not to say that he just made sure Donald Trump is not going to be uh, elected or, or the nominee. The thing is, we don't know. That certainly is a common refrain that we're hearing among Republicans. That th this was a gift to Trump. I have to start by saying I have never been more wrong about anything in my long career covering politics than I have been about Donald Trump. The stories are out there forevermore on the Internet, and you can <laughs> see how wrong I've been. So I'm very loath to make any predictions. But I will say this. We saw this sort of rallying around Trump phenomena after the Mar-a-Lago documents, after that scandal broke, and it receded. And it's, it's not uncommon. People forget, you know, when the hostages were taken in Iran, people rallied around Jimmy Carter to start. So what happens in the immediate aftermath, the sort of inclination to go to your partisan corner, 
doesn't necessarily stick over time. So Republicans say it's going to help him. I, personally, I'm dubious. People say it's going to fire up his supporters. To me, it's like a glass of water. You can only fill it up so high. I mean, his supporters are fired up anyway. It's not like they get an extra two or three or four votes just because Trump is indicted, despite what they might think about our, our election system or the lies they might have swallowed about its corruptibility. So of course, it's going to help him with his base, but they were there through thick, through thin. Does an indictment expand his support, make people who otherwise weren't Donald Trump supporters say, you know what, by God, he was indicted for paying hush money to a, a pornographic film actress. You know what? He's my guy. I'm skeptical. But very many of those folks are out there. But does it hurt him then? Maybe say those Republicans or decline to state people who maybe had voted for him in the past and say now, you know, what? I'm done with this. This is enough. And maybe I don't like Biden or whoever's going to run for the Democratic Party, but I'm just going to go with them instead or just not vote for Trump at all. In other words, erode that base. Look, that's certainly my supposition. And again, put a big, huge asterisk next to anything I say. But, you know, that's my supposition. I mean, my feeling is in 2016, a lot of people voted for Donald Trump because he was an outsider, because he was anti-establishment, because they didn't like Hillary Clinton. There was this whole question about what would you get with a Donald Trump presidency? Well, now it's not notional anymore. We know what you get with a Donald Trump presidency. We've seen the impeachments. We've seen January 6th. That's not going to deter his base necessarily. But that base makes up maybe 30, 35 37% of the Republican Party is not enough. It may be enough to win a primary in a divided field. 35% ain't enough to win a general election. Forgive me for saying ain't, but it's not. And Sarah, like we said earlier, it's not just this indictment that Trump has to worry about. There's still everything going on with the classified documents and something even possibly coming out of Georgia. Yeah, I mean, this is not the first or last legal trouble that he has to be watching out for. Um, there is the case in Fulton County, Georgia, where we know that the local officials are looking right now at whether to bring an indictment, and specifically about his attempts to interfere with the Georgia election results. We know that the special counsel is still bringing people before the grand jury to hear more evidence about Trump's efforts to hold on to classified information that he took with him after he left the White House, even defying an, a, a subpoena ordered by a judge. And also the ongoing investigation into what happened exactly after the 2020 election. His efforts to stay in power once the Electoral College had voted. You know, you've got the weeks there where he was still pushing people to protest. He was asking the vice president to reject duly voted electors from being counted in Congress. And you know, we'll, we'll see what charges inevitably come down from those, if any. Uh, but I can't imagine these are the only indictments we're going to see. With all of these investigations, and we'll see what happens with them, what sort of concerns has that raised, not necessarily for Trump himself, but for those involved in those investigations? Now, the one thing I'm hearing over and over is that they will not allow politics to be the deciding factor in whether to bring charges and whether to pursue them to trial. You're hearing that even at the uh, special counsel level. You know, normally the Department of Justice historically has tried to not get involved in political campaigns, especially in the 60 to 90 days before voting begins. Uh, that kind of went out the window in 2016 with Hillary Clinton, obviously. But the 
leash appears to be off when it comes to the special counsel. Um, and he's been told to pursue this until the end, uh, regardless of the timing. But have these people received death threats or has there been any threats of violence against, say, district attorney's offices or courthouses? Uh, specifically when it comes to the Manhattan district attorney, that's where we've seen it front and center. Alvin Bragg received written death threats and an envelope full of white powder. Um, there have been threats to other judges who are overhearing other cases related to Trump or the Trump organization. It's heightened. And President Trump didn't necessarily help himself before the indictment was announced. You know, he was urging his supporters to protest, to, you know, fight and take America back. A lot of the same rhetoric we were hearing before January 6th. And, you know, that kind of culminated with him posting a photo of the Manhattan DA and himself holding a bat next to the photo. And he's been toned down since that. I wonder if his lawyers told him that he wasn't helping himself. But those threats are real. And we all need to be really conscious of the ongoing threats to judges and district attorneys that exist anyway. But it seems like his supporters have taken that to heart and have been extremely vocal. What are you both looking for in the coming days, weeks, months, geez, even years? The first thing is what's in that indictment? Uh, what are the details? What is the case that they're bringing against the former president? Like I said before, you have to believe that Alvin Bragg thinks that he's got a strong enough case. But as Sarah suggests, really, this is the weakest of the cases, arguably the least consequential. I mean, it's seamy and it's sorted and it's icky, but we're not talking about overturning an election. So what I'm looking is what happens with the grand juries in Georgia, what happens with the investigation into Mar-a-Lago and the January 6th events, and what happens with Republican voters who, again, are rallying right now by Donald Trump's side. But I have the feeling a lot of them are just really ready to move on. You know, people talked a lot about Clinton fatigue. I think we're seeing Trump fatigue many times over. I, I have to agree with Mark. I mean, I know that a lot of people within Trump world are seeing this as a positive, saying that, you know, it's going to hand him the election. You know, how does that actually play out in people who have to go into the ballot box and vote for him? I don't want to make any kind of speculation to that, but I'm going to be really closely watching to see, you know, what the result is. I know this sounds cheesy, but what does an indicted former president say about the state, the health of American democracy? Honestly, it's probably a symbol of the healthiest democracy you can have, mm. that a former president is being held to the same standard as other Americans. Um, we've heard a lot about, you know, oh, this is you know, now a third world country and a banana republic. There have been countries all over the world prominent, you know, European countries, Asian countries, Latin American countries that have brought charges against former leaders, and they're still democracies. And when you look at the number of governors and senators and representatives who have faced charges after leaving office, and the United States is still standing, I can't believe this is going to bring the downside of democracy. Mark? I think, sir, Put it well, it may be a little hackneyed, and it's been said many times before, but it shows that no one, not even a former president of the United States, is above the law. And I think it would have been much worse if prosecutors, 
had tiptoed up the line and said, you know what, we think there's evidence of a crime here, but we really shouldn't do it because we're talking about a former president of the United States. I think it's, as Sarah suggested, a very, very good and healthy thing for our democracy. And ultimately, it'll go before a jury of the former president's peers. They will decide, and that's how our system works. Sarah, Mark, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks, Colonel. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of The Times. Essential news from The LA Times. Kasha Brasali and Dave Toledo were the jefes on this episode. It was edited by Hiba El Orbani and Mario Diaz Mixed and Mastered. Our show is produced by Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasali, and David Toledo and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistants are Roberto Reyes and Nicholas Perez. Our fellow is Helen Lee. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Kepler. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Hiba El Orbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Ethan. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back Wednesday with all the news in this month. Gracias.